Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Howdy, folks. Happy Tuesday. Uh, we have Ted Starkey joining us. We'll have Dennis Gorman later in the show. So a cast of thousands here on the Hockey Buzzcast. But as always, we'll start with the pre-show. Go ahead, Russ. Hey, so let's talk about Bruce Boudreaux. He was on the WWE Raw last night. Uh, it was funny because they I think they did it from Hershey. I was flipping the channels and and he, he was talking to the tag team champs, two Canadians, uh, Kevin, uh, oh, what's his last yeah, name? Whatever. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah, Sami Zayn and, and Kevin something. Anyhow, it, it was funny because, you know, Bruce is there and he's like giving him like this generic locker room speech. And it was good. It was like a little good little comedy skit. And I got to tell you, like if Bruce wanted to, he could be like the next good manager in the WWE because he likes wrestling. So he understands it. And everybody sort of knows his deal so he would walk right in there and be and be fine with that job ted ne- next next Kevin show, Owens, thank you <laughs> next show he'll come in and says it's bruce brudo the grand wizard of wrestling yeah i mean bruce is great obviously i covered him for a couple of years and you know he's always been great with the media always like he basically he's never met a camera he doesn't like Right. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting because he's still in the conversation with the Caps job. I mean, I don't think he gets it, but, uh, you know, he did, he did Caps pregame. He's still closely tied with the organization, obviously. Uh, him and his wife now own the uh, junior team in Hershey. So, obviously, they're deeply tied with that community yeah. and the Caps organization. But, no, I can't say enough good stuff about Bruce. He's a terrific guy. He's always fun on camera. And, you know, he never shies away from anything, as you can see. Well, he's, he's loved in Toronto. I know that he did some work for NHL Network. And I remember a few years ago when in between jobs, there was talk about him being an assistant coach under Sheldon Keep with the Leafs. I, um, you know, the funny thing is he's always wanted to coach Toronto. I guess his mom's who's in her nineties is still living in Toronto. That would probably be a dream job. I just don't know whether the, with the current craziness in Toronto that you know, Bruce is going to end up there, but um, yeah, you know, I mean, that, that, I thought he did a pretty decent job, Russ. I, I thought he, he was pretty entertaining. He, he was legit, as they yeah. say. All right, let's we'll get into hockey now. All right, hello, hockey world. Today is Tuesday, May twenty third, twenty twenty three. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, and I'm Michael Lagello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Okay, let's start with uh, the game last night. And You're not going to introduce Ted. You're not going to give him. Oh, any I, I already did. You dope. In the pre-show, I said Ted Starkey is with us. Yeah, but some people, the pre-show cuts off, Mike, and then when people listen to the... Oh, okay. The, for, those the people, they, for those people, they can go screw, okay? You know, the, wow. you know but... I'm well known, you know, come on then. Yeah, I mean, geez. <laughs> yeah. Just trying anyway. to make sure we're... Ted, mind, I, constructive criticism for Mike. Yeah, constructive <laughs> criticism on the show every single friggin' time. Um, okay, so... <laughs> So last night, Ted, the the worst 
conference finals in NBA and NHL history continued because it looks like we're going to have four sweeps the way things are going. Uh, Denver swept the Lakers. You know, Miami's going to probably stick a fork in the pathetic Celtics in the NBA. That's the team that I root for. And um, in the NHL last night, game three of Florida, Carolina, not a snoozer, but one nothing games unless – you know, goaltenders are absolutely standing on their head or not the, the, what I would call the most exciting thing. Um, you know, Bobrovsky played really well and it was a one nothing victory on Sam Reinhardt's goal. But what did you think? What do you think of this whole series? Because right now, I mean, Carolina looks like they have a pop gun offense and they can't get by Bobrovsky. Yeah, I mean, they really you look at the playoffs, they hadn't faced a team uh, with this good goaltending. You know, obviously, you know. You see, the uh, when you saw Carolina in the first round, obviously they had trouble with the Islanders. You know, uh, yeah. obviously the goaltending was good, but you know they still had to struggle to score. New Jersey, they they got a pretty lousy tandem to face. You know, Vanacek, and uh, you know, and basically, yeah, yeah, and they didn't do so well. But you know, they just they seem like they're they're taking a lot of shots from the perimeter. They don't seem like they're really crashing the net like they need to um you know obviously they were worried about Shveshnikov before the playoffs he's back but you know how healthy is he and you know it's they just don't seem to be generating much and you know on the other hand Florida seems to be a team of destiny they're really you know they've won 10 out of 11 in this time of year is amazing you know and really the one game they lost they almost won um we'll 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 continue to talk about this as Florida's run can potentially continues but I mean, do we do we recognize the fact that had the Pittsburgh Penguins beat Chicago or beat Columbus, the Florida would have missed. Mm-hmm. And then, you can't that way. Like, you I don't know. I know, but but it's just okay. They, that would have either one of those things happens. They miss. Then they you know they they get in by the hair of their chinny chin chin, and they're down three one to Boston. And Brad Marchand has that breakaway in Game Five that almost beats Bobrovsky. And if that had gone in, then they would have been done. They come back from three, one, they beat Boston. They beat Toronto convincingly in five games. And now they've won the first three against Carolina. I mean, it's Ted. I mean, it's unbelievable. This, the streak that this team is on. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, like you were saying, you know, they were inches away from losing in game five in Boston. And now they've won, you know, they won three in a row against the Bruins, four out of five against Toronto. Now three or three, no against Carolina. None of those are slouch teams. Um, and you know, it's, it's kind of like you looked at them this year, they were so disappointing for the first half of the year. You know, they're coming off the president's trophy season last year, uh, you know, got rid of Andrew Burnett, brought in, uh, Paul Maurice. And you thought, well, this team just does not like what's happening, but you know, with Kachuk and Bobrovsky playing up to their potential this time of year. Uh, and you know, once a lot of it is once you start to believe in your team, a lot of good things can happen. And clearly after that game five win in Boston, when they went down to, you know, sunrise rally to beat the Bruins, I think, I think the stat was uh, what's even more amazing of the 10 wins they've trailed in seven of them. You know, it's not like they're, they're coming out of the gate, blowing teams out and shutting them down. They're rallying and they just seem to, you know, score goals at an opportune time. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very Kings like from 2014. You You see these teams who just get hot at the right time. Um, but you know, it's, it's an amazing run. And obviously I don't think Carolina is going to stop them at this point. It's probably going to be up to Vegas. And Bobrovsky is doing his best Jonathan quick imitation Russ. But 
I mean, you know, in my mind, Kachuk is the if, if they win, Kachuk is going to be the Smythe Trophy winner because he's scoring all these big goals. I don't think so I think it's Bobrovsky. I'm telling you, he he has taken away the will of really good teams here and teams that everybody thought could make it to the Cup. I get what Kachuk is doing, but without Bob, Kachuk wouldn't. They would not be in the, where they are in this series. They just wouldn't. And uh, the other thing that's killing Carolina is. Florida's commitment to team defense. Their forwards like Lucitarian and Lundell and everybody else is making up for whatever defense that everybody felt they didn't have during the regular season and probably still don't have. Um, they're doing it. And that's that that's the that's the bizarre thing is the fact that you know they're playing this strapped down defensive style that I mean is like consistent with the 95 New Jersey Devils for this is where I give Maurice credit. I think yeah. Maurice realized if we have the offense. If we could just tap it down on defense, Carolina just doesn't have the offense. They're used to tapping it down on defense. Carolina's playing every game like it's, you know, one goal up or one goal down or even tied. And and they're not going to survive that way. They, they've got to open things up this game or they're done. Like, it doesn't matter who they put in net. But somebody in the chat was saying they lost Barkov last night in the – in the first period. And uh, I guess Paul Maurice after the game said, yeah, he had to go to, to a bar mitzvah or something like that. <laughs> like, you know, now of course we're not going to find out the details of the injury, but you know, Ted, I, I said, you know, is this a David Krejci circa 2010 thing where, you know, they lose Barkoff and all of a sudden Carolina can turn it around. I don't think so because Carolina just doesn't have the offense to be able to turn it around. I think they could win a game or two and I don't right. know whether Barkoff is seriously injured, but, I think there's it's no return here for uh, Carolina. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, obviously Barkoff, I think it'd be more of an impact if they advance to the next round just because it's going to be – I think Vegas is the best team left, and that will take a lot to beat them. I mean, I still think, you know, obviously they've had a great run. The thing that probably will work against Florida too is they're going to have a lengthy break if they finish a sweep. And right. the last thing you want when you're rolling is to have, you know, six or yeah. seven days off before the final, especially facing a good team. But no, that's yeah. fair. I mean, I agree with that. I, although, although Bobrovsky could use, well, you'd be, yeah. Able to yeah, I mean, he's losing 10, 15 pounds a game, but <laughs> I, I think, I mean, that's no joke. I mean, he really is. That's what oh, okay. I'll, I'll send him, I'll send him 45 of my pounds to lose. Yeah. <laughs> you would be in the hospital. Um, <laughs> the thing is, the thing about it is though, I'm not giving up on Dallas because really Dallas had that last game in hand, but they have not been able to figure out, how to clamp it down when they have a lead. Uh, if they could just figure that part out, I think it would be a much tougher series with Vegas. So I think they're closer to getting back in their series for sure. They have to win tonight. Like we know that, but I do feel like after last game, they pretty much had that one until, you know, until they didn't. So I, I think they can still do it. Well, Ted, the one thing I, I, I picked Dallas in that series and I did because I thought Ottinger would, you know, would be the uh, determining factor, you know, but Aiden Hills played really well and Ottinger, especially in game one, I thought he was not good. Uh, game two, he was pretty decent. I don't think he was at fault for the the giveaway late in regulation that Marsha so uh, tied up the game or the game winner. So, I mean, I still think Dallas can get back, and Dallas is going home, so they haven't lost a home game yet. And, you know, with the old saying, if you, you know, you're only behind when you're losing your home games. So they got to win one, they got to win their home games and be, and win one in Vegas, which is still possible. Right. Yeah. No, I think, like, I, I think having a home game now is obviously it's a big difference between the two series. Obviously, Carolina losing two at home, uh, which was such a tough place to play. And, you know, Dallas is a tough place to play in its own. And, you know, and Andre does have to be better. I mean, as I said, I think of the four teams left, I think Vegas is.
significantly a better team. They were one of the preseason team or the pre-playoff teams I thought that could actually win the cup, win four rounds. Um, and I, you know, I think Dallas can make it a series. I'm not sure they can pull off the, you know, win four or five, but I think they're going to make a better series than Carolina is right now. Yeah. Let, let's, let's switch to the, uh, the coaching carousel. Um, you mentioned it, I think before we went on, on the air about uh, Washington, uh, I read uh, Tariq El-Bashir's piece in the athletic um, regarding who is in the mix in Washington. And one of the names, and I wrote about it for hockey bus today was Spencer Carberry, who is the Leafs assistant coach. Now he, uh, Ted, he, he coached in Hershey. He was a AHL coach of the year. He coached a lot of the young players that are currently in the, uh, Capitals organization like Connor McMichael, um, you know, they seem to want somebody who can work with the young players that they're going to be bringing along over the next couple of years. So he, in my mind, I think Halpern is another name um, that uh, it, I think they're going to go down that road rather than go rehashing Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah, no, I agree. I think those are the two names I think you'll see most commonly mentioned. I think Halpern is a good candidate for him because obviously he played with a couple of players during his two tenures in Washington. Um, he's pretty tight with uh, the ownership group. And obviously uh, he went to, uh, after retiring from the caps, he went to Syracuse was an assistant coach, Tampa assistant coach under John Cooper. And, you know, he's pretty familiar. And I think that they're looking for a guy who can kind of motivate this team. Like the last hire was more to win a Stanley cup. I'm not sure they, believe they're going to win another Stanley Cup I think maybe they can make a run but I think they know this core is kind of past its prime they want to be competitive and kind of usher in a new era of players eventually mm-hmm. um, but I think you know those two names would be the ones obviously Carberry as you mentioned those some of the players at Hershey and obviously the Bears are playing deep this year so they'll take a look in the organization as well but I think it's gonna be one of those two names yeah, Anaheim and the Rangers are the two other teams that apparently have been mentioned in regards to Carberry. And I mean, with the with the unstable situation in Toronto, if they decide to let go of Sheldon Keefe, I would think if Carberry hasn't taken a job yet, that they would want to interview him because he is a very good candidate. But let's switch to the Rangers here, Russ, because um, we've heard Carberry, we've heard Peter Laviolette, we've heard a few other names. Where is this going? I don't know. I thought we were going to hold that till maybe Gorman comes on. Oh, okay, okay. That's your we'll search with that. Let's let's talk about the outdoor games. Yeah, okay, go ahead. So the outdoor games <laughs> this year are going to be at MetLife, and they're going to have um, Rangers Isles, Devils Flyers. So obviously that's what the Flyers were sort of hinting at um, when they were ushering in uh, Keith Jones last week, but I guess couldn't say anything. Now it leaked out. Um, it's interesting because. I didn't know if the league would want the Flyers because they don't really have a marquee player, but Jack Hughes is the marquee player. So I guess it's kind of like, um, for lack of a better term, they'll have the Devils against the Washington Generals. Uh, no, they're a little, Flyers are a little better than that, but you get what I'm saying. I get, that's really, from a marketing perspective, the Flyers fans will come. There's no doubt about that. But uh, team wise, yeah, the, the shine's more on the, the Devils at this point. Uh, I'm sure Torts is just going to love being in part of an outdoor game. Uh, I remember how much he, he enjoys that. Uh, kidding. <laughs> um, he has to wear his cowboy hat or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what the hat he wore the last time in Philly. I have to go back and look it up. I have pictures. But at any rate, what's interesting about this, and some people are like, oh, I hate to get to MetLife. It's really not bad. If you take the train, it's the way to go. Driving sucks going to MetLife, but the train's easy. So I just drive to the – now my my problem is I'm not living near a train station 
on the Northeast corridor. But if you do just take the train, but as far as these games, it, these will be better. I think than the Yankee stadium ones. I do the Yankee stadium ones. The Yankees were stupid. They kept the windows open. I don't know why nobody understands that we froze. I remember talking to Linda Cohn and both of us were freezing uh, against the, especially the game against the devils. It was brutal. The Islander game was, was not great either. Did they um, did they have the Hebrew National hot dog? That's the most. No, important. actually, no. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm in the press box. I can tell you this: they ran out of hot chocolate, and for the New York Yankees to run out of hot chocolate is a joke for all the money they have. So that was. No, wait, 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 wait! This is an NHL sponsored event. They're the ones responsible. They're using no, Mike. This blame is, the Yankees. No, no, no. This is a Yankee problem. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. But at any rate. Uh, They'll have the ability to sell more tickets, obviously, at MetLife. MetLife, once you're in your seat, it's fine. It does take a little while to get in your seat. It does. I mean, there's no lie about that. It, if you time yourself, it'll take you like 30-something minutes from the point you get to your car to go straight to your seat. Right. No matter where you're sitting, that's that's pretty much the amount of time because of all the escalators and different areas you have to walk. and It's just big. But I think it will be good for hockey games. Uh, I think the matchups are right. I think the um, I'll probably go to both because if it's doable, I'm gonna I'll do both because that's what I did last time and and I'll enjoy it. And I think a lot of people will enjoy it too. Ted, what's the um, the buzz? I mean, you're at Newsday now. What's the talk there? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Islanders fans have been clamoring for a game for a long time. You know, obviously they haven't been in one since the Yankee Stadium game. Um, you know, there's always the, the perceived slight that, you know, it's not national network, stuff like that. So, I mean, obviously Islanders Rangers would be great, great experience. I guess the only drawback is you're taking away one of the games at UBS arena for it because, you know, obviously you got to come from somewhere. Um, you know, and Flyers Devils will be interesting. I know I, I saw they were talking about a concert. Maybe that's going to boost ticket sales, uh, you know, cause that might be a harder sell to sell 82,000 for that game. Um, you know, especially with the Flyers, you know, obviously it's an easy. I'll give you an example who you could use. Um, Billy Joel? No, no, Fish. Um, because Trey Anastasia is a huge Flyers fan. I met him uh, a couple years ago. What's well, more than that? It's probably like 10 years ago when the Flyers had, uh, in tw- it was 2010. It was more than 10. In 2010, I met him and he was in the locker room taking pictures with the trophy and everything when the Flyers had, had what is the Prince of Wales trophy? Is that it? Yeah, I uh, and so he was taking pictures of that with his dad and having a great time. You know, Fish and and that would do it because they they have a good following. Oh, yeah. I mean, they definitely look like they're going to tag someone along because, you know, obviously, you know, Rangers Islanders, you could sell out, I think, without much issue. But, you know, yeah. obviously Devils, Devils have a limited ticket base and the Flyers. I mean, they, they have a lot of fans, but, you know, it depends on how the season goes, too. If they have another terrible season. Then... Some are, some are uh, you know, want to wait and see. Some will yeah. do it for the fun of it. But you're right. It's a lot of seats. So I could see if you do add a concert to that. Uh, you know, Billy Joel's not bad, Mike, but I don't think that's the right fit for this. Get Taylor Swift. Do you sell the tickets? Get, get Billy, Joel for the Island, the, uh, Billy Joel for the Islanders game if you do well. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Ted, you get Ted Nugent. There Consider he's from Hicksville and all that. Sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> No, I was just I was gonna say uh, typical typical Mets fan to pick on to pick on the Yankees. There, this was. is what happened. The, go no, ask no, 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 no. You don't even have to ask me. I don't think she's a Mets fan. She'll tell you. No, but what I'm saying is that's an NHL sponsored event. No, no, but go ask Anthony too. Like it's the same. Oh yeah, I'm gonna get a work. It's the same people who work Yankee Stadium that were working in the press box 
Philly and we didn't it. understand the minute we walked in, it's the middle of winter and they had the, the windows open. Like, why? Why in the world? <laughs> hey, hey, you remember, remember, remember BMO, remember the Centennial Classic, remember where we were, we were assigned to sit, sit. And Ted, this was an, you know, an, an event at a, at a, a soccer stadium, in downtown Toronto on right. New Year's, on New Year's Day. And they had an auxiliary press box that had a monitor with a opaque plastic covering. So you couldn't even watch the game. It was like you were, you were like you were in a tent. Yeah, it was like looking through a tent covering. Yeah. yeah. So we ended up sitting sitting downstairs watching it on a big screen TV instead of uh, That was warmer than Yankee Stadium. Even well, the, the weird one with uh, NC State, they didn't have the windows open and it was soundproof almost. You couldn't tell like, anything that was going on other than the TV. So it was bizarre. You were right there, but you heard like even a cheer. You heard nothing. No, I heard not. It was, it was like being in a it was a, being in a phone booth. But Russ, maybe maybe, maybe that's the musical act. Maybe they're going to get Brian Adams because he was there at Centennial Classic. And uh, no, played. you got to think more like who the Flyers and Devils fan bases would like. I mean, Springsteen, huh? Springsteen. He's not doing it for a hockey game. He's, <laughs> be serious. Like you know, I don't know. Southside Johnny's not enough. He'll do it. Who? Give him twenty million bucks and he'll do it. Yeah, I mean, if Springsteen's tour is over, you know, Max Weinberg is a season ticket holder of the Devils. He does have a band. That might work if you get, like, Max Weinberg's All-Stars, like a Ringo's All-Stars thing. That might work because I know he's toured on his own before. Um, you know, maybe something like that would, would be good. Mm. Um, <laughs> Ted, I wanted to get your, uh, your um, opinion outside of the Toronto area perspective yeah. of what's <laughs> – gone on over the last few days i know i have my opinions on the the, the goings uh of the maple leafs with brendan shanahan uh you know firing basically firing kyle oh. just before his contract was up and now uh dubas made a statement today you know i, I the only and I, I wrote about this the only line that i thought was curious and i'll read it here he said he says in a statement dubas referred to his need to assess and evaluate my own view to the future, both with respect to the necessary direction of the club and ensuring that I had a f the full support of my family for what I knew would be required in the off season and the years to follow. Basically the, it's been talked about that his proposal was to sort of streamline the decision-making process because there were instances over the last few years where he wanted to do something, but the board or Shanahan didn't want to, or Shanahan and the board wanted him to do something and he had to do it because he was taking orders and that was affecting, you know, what he thought was the proper direction of the team. Now he's the general manager. The ownership is going to, the ownership runs the ship. So if they didn't want, if they weren't on board with what he wanted to do, then that's a valid reason to let him go. But I just think that sort of this looks pretty bad from an outside perspective, from an inside perspective, if somebody covers the team. What do, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think the problem, like I always trace the Leafs issues back to when they signed Tavares. Cause I mean, obviously Tavares hasn't been bad, but it's kind of an, was an unnecessary ad. They're already strong at the forward position, and you're basically committing the cap to four players, which means those have to be your four best players. And I always thought, you know, one of the reasons they've struggled in the playoffs are just a very flawed team. You know, the construction is flawed. You can't fix problems if half your cap is tied up in four guys. And I think, obviously, but what we're seeing, after, you know, after the, the firing is basically this was management's call. It wasn't necessarily Dubas's call. 
to get a guy like Tavares, but I just think, you know, they were just so poorly constructed. And now, you know, obviously they have a tough decision to make because you've got to really get rid of at least one, if not two of these guys. And obviously Tavares, Tavares is kind of tailing at the end of his career. Um, but he's, you know, no, he's not going anywhere. He's no, not, yeah. He's still really good. I'm not worried about Tavares, to be honest. Yeah, but that, that just seems to me it's like it was kind of like when you're committing, you know, it's a cap in a cap world, you can't commit that much. I mean, I think my guess is Toronto thought, obviously, this is pre-COVID, that the cap was going to be like 90-some yeah. million by now. So you'd be able to fit in more. But it's just, you know, it's, you know, seeing these teams with the long-term deals, it's just difficult to fix holes when you're that tight to the cap. And obviously, you know, signing Samson off was a bargain move uh, for them. They couldn't go out and get a better pricier goaltender you know defense they've had to kind of get older guys or guys who are younger who can fit in but it's hard to fix problems when you're near the cap well ted the, the thing was we talked about this a little bit yesterday and i i like i ironically and stan fishler wrote a piece for the hockey news which i which was pretty laughable because he he, he said that basically toronto's problems wouldn't have been as bad had they kept lou and and I and I told and I said on the show and I and I I know this based on the fact that that was the year I was covering the team full time. This started with Lou. The problem started with Lou because Lou did not get Neil because Lou has a policy to not sign players. Uh, until the end of their contracts, he could have been proactive and signed Neilander with a year left on his deal after he had one good year, they could have gotten him for three or four, probably two or three years, at least on a bridge deal. They didn't, they waited until the following year. Lou was out the door because they wanted to sign Dubas and he left Dubas with a bag of shit. He basically Dubas had to handle the Nealander thing right off the go. And Nealander held out until December and got them at the 11. They got him signed at the 11th hour. But once they succumbed to that, then the precedent was set and Marner and Matthews, followed it. I don't think Tavares was the was the bad move. I think signing Nealander to the long-term deal was the bad move. And then everything went downhill from there in terms of the four guys for 40 million bucks. And it's clearly flawed, but I don't know what I don't know what they're going to do. And this is the thing. We're hearing so many names right now. I don't know what is realistic and what is BS. I do know that certain names out there there are big warning signs. I mean, if they go after Stan Bowman and they go Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville, I what a, what a cluster what that would go wrong. Oh yeah, <laughs> right off the bat. What do you what do you think? Who, who do you think would be the? What do you think the direction that they should go? Well, I mean, like I said, I, I think that they're going to have to try to clear some cap space, and they definitely need to work on you know defense and goaltending because I, I just you know I knew before the season I said they are not going to go anywhere with this tandem. You know, obviously. You know, Samsonov, he did, he was, he's a good regular season goalie, but obviously the playoff pressure. And, you know, they were trying to shield him from the media. And it just, his, he's and not a playoff he goalie. Play, he didn't play badly, Ted. I don't no. think he was at fault. He was not at fault for them losing. I mean, he got hurt and Wall played pretty decently, too. I don't, I, I, it, was, it was not the goaltending that let them down. But I do, I do grant your point. I mean, Russ, please. Russ, I wish I had a dollar for every time Russ made a Matt Murray joke this year. Um, I mean, I, I made an over-under, which I won. I said he wasn't going to be successful because he's not going to be able to play enough. It was obvious. Like oh, when he just, did play, he was successful. Yeah, but you can't. Ma- it doesn't matter. Uh, he didn't water. do enough for the team to matter for this season. He didn't. Yeah. 
And that's yeah. the end of the day. That's what really matters. Here. And he's gonna, and he's going to get bought out, so they're going to clear yeah, that. Yeah, and he'll go to Pittsburgh, and they'll be like, "Oh, Matt Murray will try." And it's like, you know, unless he's healthy, he's going to fail again. Yep. And those are the. I mean, those are the. That's that goes back to the root of the problem. Those are the goaltenders they could afford. I mean, obviously, Samsonov came cheap because obviously they didn't want him in Washington, uh, and there's some questions about his. Now, they tossed him aside a little too quickly, probably. But he's still. Yeah. I don't know how good he really is still. Yeah, well, there there's some back issues. I think with they were you know going back to the ATV accident during the uh, during COVID, and I think he was given a couple chances to take the starting role in Washington, and he just he failed miserably. So I think there was a thought that you know maybe he isn't the guy. Um, but you know, it's, well, it's it'll be interesting to see. Is that the least the first thing they got to clear space and they got to get they got to bolster up their depth in some other areas because obviously their forwards are fine, but. Iron, ironically, ironically, what what's going to end up happening is the same thing. Well, they're not going to not qualify him like Washington did. He's got one year until unrestricted free agency. As we as we welcome Dennis Gorman onto the show, um, he's one year away from unrestricted free agency, so he's an RFA with Arbrights. I think they're just going to qualify him, negotiate a one year deal, and have him and Wall as their goaltenders this year. Now that is what I think they would have done under Dubas with right. a new, with a new administration. They could go out and trade for Connor Hellebuck or trade for John Gibson or go for the big goaltender, because that's been a need. That's been a need for them since Ed Balfour. That's right. they need that big goaltender. They haven't had one. They've tried to p- p- patchwork with J.S. Shiger, with James Reimer, with, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, a number of different ones. And it really hasn't worked. So maybe they go a different direction. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, Ted, I don't know if you have to go, but uh, if you don't, (laughs) stick around. Um, So, Russ, um, and Dennis, let's talk about the Rangers. Uh, First, the coaching situation. We've heard heard Spencer Carberry's name be in the mix. We heard, but a couple days ago, the name of Peter Laviolette popped up. And I don't know whether that's just – you know, his name being out there because somebody's doing a favor or if there's actually interest there. What have you heard about uh, the, the Rangers coaching situation? Essentially, it, it, just to kind of dial back a little bit on Ranger breakup, when they when they had their breakup day, when the players met with uh, Chris Drury, they they complained about Gerard Gallant, that his coaching in the playoffs specifically, they needed him to be more X's and O's oriented and he was – giving them encouragement. Well, you know, there, there's, a, there's a message that it's just not working. And, and obviously they failed. They lose in the first round of Jersey after going all in with Tarasenko and Kane and McCullough and so on and so forth. So now the idea is they need a coach who's very X's and O's oriented, very detail oriented. And the idea is that Peter Laviolette, for whatever you want to say about him, he, he, he is an X's and O's guy. He's a details guy. Um, so that, you know, and I guess, you know, it, it certainly sounds like he's been, uh, that they're really interested in him because of that. So, you know, we'll see. And, and the other thing is we have to factor in it's Madison Square Garden. Peter Laviolette is a name and they like hiring names. Russ. Yeah, first thing I want to say is I, I see Dennis is wearing a Jackson Heights shirt, and I just want to say the people of Jackson Heights and the people of Tempe have something in common. The Tempe people didn't want the planes flying right over their house. 
But I used to have a friend who lived in Jackson Heights, and man, the planes go right over where everybody lives. It's insane. That's why my family, we all talk loud, because we had a <laughs> chef be heard over the airplane. But as far as the coaching, and Sheldon Keefe's name is now in the mix, too, because why not? The thing is, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand what the Rangers are doing in the sense of what direction they're going, because they had to jump on everybody for coach here, and now they're just stuck in the mix with everybody. And I feel like this is a disadvantage for them. Uh, Carberry, fine, you know, but again, he may favor the Capitals over everybody based on his on his past. And Hershey and, and Ted talked about that earlier. Um, Laviolette, I'm sorry, I have not been impressed with Laviolette for four or five years now, or two or three jobs, however you want to, you know, whatever you want to call it. You know, he's had some okay seasons the first season, sometimes going into the second. But if you're getting Laviolette, you're getting Gallant. It's just a different kind of thing. And and he is, again, I, I just, at this point in time, if you're getting Laviolette, trying to develop still 30% of your team, which you really need to if you want to become a cup contender, to me isn't a great idea. Um, I, I had some other names out there, but they don't seem like they're coming to fruition. I don't think Jay Pandolfo is going to leave BU because – He's just started something there, and usually that's a job that you can keep for like 10 years. So I don't think he's coming. I, I still would like them to interview Jay Leach. I haven't heard his name, so I don't know. I said Ted Donato. because Yeah, uh, I don't think Ted will leave Harvard. It's just such a good job. It's like I said, he's, he, he's going to risk a two-year job here with the Rangers, and he could be there. He's been there for over a decade, I believe, and he could be there for another decade. Um, but I think – Dennis, the biggest thing is, while I don't have a great handle, and I think Keith is certainly in the mix now, the problem is, I don't think they know what they're searching for. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, because they, it sounds Never like it sounds like they want a coach who is experienced enough to help them win the cup while developing Capo Caco, Alexis Lafreniere, and some of the other young players in the system. So, you know, it's not, it's not a big deal. I mean, those, no. guys, those guys are available, you know, <laughs> easy to hire. Yeah. I mean, Laviolette seems like a, I mean, he's someone who's the Rangers would be attracted to, like Russ was saying, it's a name. And I think like the caveat is, it's exactly like Galan. You've got to win in the first year or two because the team's going to tire of his act really fast. Right. You know, every stop he's had, the team has done really well the first two years and there's a tail off. And I think in Washington, it wasn't a great fit because he kind of tried to play a system that didn't necessarily fit the players. Um, and so I think the players got kind of tired of it. Um, and clearly by the end of this year, they wanted him gone. And, but I think, you know, LaViolette seems to be the guy they're gravitating towards, you know, all the, all the breadcrumbs are heading his way and they seem like if they can get a deal done, that's what guy they're going to get. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll go for a long-term fix like Mike Babcock. That would work. No, and look, and even Chris Knobloch, sure, interview him. I just think that the job may be too big for him. He's a smart guy. Like I've told people, I, I interviewed him when he was with Erie way back in those days. I you know, certainly spoke to him when he was with the Flyers, and he was an assistant there, and he's good. But, again, for this job, I don't think it's a good thing. And I went back, and, Dennis, I looked at the history of – like Hartford or Ranger minor league managers going up and, and coaching in the uh, big time. And it ain't great. No. And you know, you look at Chris Knobloch and people are very high on him. And especially the job he did this year without any, you know, quote unquote, super high in ta you know, talented guys. But again, if you look at the Rangers with Kreider and Zabinijad and some of these other guys that are closing in on 30, 
their window to win a cup is next year, yeah. next two years, maybe three at the tops. Are you going to, do you really feel comfortable giving a guy who's never coached? He coached a few games uh, the pen, the pandemic year. Uh, yeah, when Quinn had COVID, yeah. When Quinn had COVID, right. But are you going to feel really comfortable giving a guy who's maybe has, what, six NHL head coaching games to his name, a team that you want to win a cup, that wants to win a cup, and, by the way, still develop your young players? It, it doesn't make sense. I don't know what the answer is. Um but and I don't think they know what the answer is. I mean, who was the coach of the Mystery Alaska team? Bring him in, Russell Crowe. Well, he wasn't the coach; he was playing. No, Crow Reynolds. Crow Reynolds. Reynolds. That's right. Ted. Yeah, he's not available. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think you can get him back with a five-year contract. Although, no, honestly, if Tex Rickard were around, he would hire Burt Reynolds. I think that's fair. Well, yeah, so, so Reg Dunlop is dead too. Uh, Dennis, let me ask you this because I look at the Boudreaux. We should bring up Boudreaux, Mike. Sorry. Because he yeah. is another name, and 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 so I do understand the offensive part of that, Dennis. Would they bring in Boudreaux short term? That's a question. I, I I don't think so. I think they're looking for some. I think they're looking for someone long term because you know they fired uh, David Quinn after four years, and now they and they've just fired Gerard Gallant after two. I I think they want someone who's going to be there for for a while. And I don't, I don't know if Boudreaux is an X's and O's guy. I think he's more of a motivational guy. He's at a least. feel guy. He knows the game. Yeah. He can yeah. tell guys what to do. I think he's a feel guy. Right. Yeah, and I think the Rangers at this stage, I think Boudreaux is good for a team that's up and coming but needs to pump up its offense because I know he obviously yeah. knows how to activate the D. I don't think the Rangers really fit that category. Um, you know, I think – like I was saying, like even in Washington, I'm not sure he would do a lot of good other than just being a name that people are familiar with. But, you know, he provides an up-tempo, entertaining style. But, you know, the Rangers beyond that, they want to try to win in the next couple of years or they're probably going to Let's bring up the joke name that was out there um, of Patrick Waugh. And I know he was carrying a, uh, a trophy the other day because uh, his team won the Remparts. But, Dennis, that would be like the worst possible situation in my eyes. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It wouldn't be nearly as bad as say the Knicks hiring Isaiah Thomas to be the head coach, but you know, it would be it, Brian Chache bad. I think. No, it would be like it, Billy. It'd be like Billy Martin without the booze. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's let's go with that. And by that, and by that, I mean Brian Trottier. But yes, it would it would not work well. I mean, we saw Colorado. The first year went great, and the second year he flamed out, and. You know, no disrespect to our brethren who cover the, the Avalanche. It's a slightly more intense market in New York co covering the Rangers than it is covering the Avalanche. Just a little bit. Um, okay, so let me let me ask you this, Dennis, because I, I find the Rangers' potential offseason very intriguing. Start with the UFAs. Uh, Tarasenko, Kane, Mott, who they brought back in a trade from Ottawa. Mikola was part of the, the Tarasenko deal. Uh, and Yaroslav Halak is a backup. You can get a backup anywhere. Of those four, which one do you think is the most likely to come back and the least likely to come back? I'd say Mott's the most likely to come back. Uh, yes. he, they got him at the trade deadline last year. He fit in really well. Uh, obviously, got him at the trade deadline this year, fit in really well. 
on, on, on that fourth line. I don't think he's going to break the bank. Um, least likely, I think you have to say Patrick Kane, um, unless he's willing to give them the mother of all discounts. You know, I can't see that happening. Uh, sounds like he's going to need hip surgery this this offseason. Uh, apparently his hip had been bothering him all year. And that could be a six-month recovery. That could be something long-term. So, Right. Um, and I don't know that you can hold, you know, your top-line right-wing spot open for, you know, two months of the season, three months of the season. It, it doesn't work. It does not work. So I think yeah, he – Russ was really on board. Russ was really on board with Patrick Kane. I could tell – No, but I mean, you know, and I think Dennis would have agreed if I had asked him about it or he, he would have heard my take – my take was basically, you're bringing him in, you know he's hurt. We've seen this before in the New York area, especially with the Rangers. Most of the time, it doesn't work out. He's on a first line. He's now slowed down your first line. So now that first line is now was susceptible to playing bad defense because Kane would barely even get back on defense. like He wasn't even trying. Right. And he had two or three really good games. Uh, maybe he had five altogether the whole year in the playoffs. And that's it. Well, Ted, this was my assertion. Wait, hold on. Uh, let, let, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Dennis. Sorry. Yeah, it, it it never made sense. I mean, from Patrick Kane's sense, from Patrick Kane's standpoint, you want you want to win a cup. This is a team, a big market team that needed a top line right wing. So I could see where he would want to come come here, but once they got Tarasenko, it didn't make any sense to bring him in. Uh, and you know, you look at the history of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Teams still need grit. They need checkers. They need guys that can defend. This Rangers team, I mean, they had three scoring lines in one kind of a hybrid checking grind line, you know, and it didn't work. And, Ted, that's the reason why, like, I was – I mean, I blame Chris Drury for the failings of the, of the Rangers going into the playoffs because Gallant got to a conference final with guys like Andrew Kopp and with guys like Vetrano and Mott and not three lines of high skill. And that's what he had. And it didn't fit the way he coached. And that's why they, that's why in the end, I think they lost. So Drury's got to eat some of the responsibility for that. But now, I mean, I don't know where they're going to go with the coach, but you know, I mean, like I said, Drury should be blamed for the way that that team underperformed. Yeah, it, it was strange, too, because, you know, once they got Tarasenko, then the, the reports came out how Kane was disappointed he wasn't going to the Rangers. And it just seemed like after that, they kind of wanted to try to force him in. And it ended up being, uh, you know, subtraction by addition, because as Russ said, you're taking ice time away from the guys who are succeeding. And you're putting a guy who doesn't play D, who's certainly past his prime. And it was just, you know, you could tell it just was not – experiment that was working and there was nothing they could do because they're not going to bench Kane, you know? Right. So it's like, you're, you're stuck. And it just, it, it just seemed like it, it was a, it was not a great idea to begin with, but they seemed to want to pursue it because he want you know, Kane wanted it to happen. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in some cases what the player wants, is not what's best for the team. No, Dennis, I, I started to, you know, a couple of days ago, I heard, I don't remember where it was, but I heard uh, rumors of uh, the Rangers shopping Barkley Goudreau. And he's got four, four years left at $3.6 million. And he's a, you know, he's a good workman-like player, but he's never going to score 30 goals. You know, um, that kind of term for that kind of money for that type of player, that's a tough move. I don't, I don't know if there are going to be many people 
you know, buying in on that one, if that's true, if the rumors are true. It, it sounds like, you know, to quote unquote, sweeten the pot, they're <clears> willing to add in, you know, a second round pick, a third round pick, you know, to, for our team to take on that, take on his, to take Goudreau on. I tend to think they're probably going to, they're going to have to eat some, some money, which is kind of, which, which is somewhat of an issue since they're tight to the cap anyway. Right. But, and then it subtracts, from a non-ice point of view, it subtracts one of the areas that they don't have a lot of, which is grit, which is a guy that can defend a little, a four that can defend. So we'll see how that works out for them. Russ, that smacks to me of an Iserman Detroit type of move where they've got tons of cap space and Goudreau played for him in Tampa Bay that, you know, the, and if they got a draft pick that a team like Detroit would, would sign up for a Goudreau deal like that. Yeah. I guess I mean, maybe, I don't know. It's hard to read Iserman. It is. I, I don't really know Like we, we talk about Steve Iserman a lot on this show and I, based on where they're picking in this year's draft, like I don't really know what their um, projection is anymore. I know that there's, they, they have to end this rebuild soon and they have to start turning into a real team. So they're going to do something, but I, I just don't have a good feel for it. Right now. Uh, round the horn here, uh, Ted, you first. Um, here's where Drury needs to make some pretty decisive um, choices this summer. Kako is one year away from, uh, you know, he's got one year left on a deal, making $2.1 million right now. La- uh, Lafreniere is, his ELC is up. So you've got to assign him to an extension. And Keandre Miller coming off a, a it's sort of an up and down year is an RFA. Um, I don't know if they have the money. Maybe this is the reason why they're trying to trade Goudreau. I don't know if they have the money to sign all three of them. So I don't know which one of them do you think is the odd man out? Uh, it's it's tough because obviously Kako's come in and, and never really adjusted. And if you get a guy like Laviolette behind the bench, you know, Laviolette's not known for developing young guys. I mean, obviously that was one of the complaints a lot of people had in Washington that he, you know, guys like McMichael are still in Hershey and not playing up in the NHL. And I don't know how it'll develop. I mean, Lafarniere, it's, it's tough. A number one overall, uh, do you part with him? You know, Keandre Miller obviously is a little bit less known among hockey fans, but I think he probably is a bit more valuable piece down the road. You know, he's not going to be spectacular, but he's going to you know, give you a piece that you're going to need. Um, you know, I guess if I had to part with one of the three, it'd probably be Kako just because he's been so inconsistent. And obviously he never lived up to the world junior uh, pedigree that he had when he got drafted so high, but it's going to be a tough decision. Cause as I said, you know, if they bring in a coach and it's not going to play the young guys then it's not going to get any better for them. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Oh, sorry. Um, like Goudreau, I don't think anybody wants him. Not because he can't play, but that term on him is just too much. And he has he is at a, at a at a height in salary that nobody wanted to really go to except the Rangers. So I think Goudreau is there. Uh, Kako was great against Jack Hughes defensively. Like he was. He really helped shut him down. And he has become a really good defensive forward and their best cycler in the corners. And I do think you should let his game continue to mature that way and not worry about how much of a scorer he is. Cause guess what? Everybody's not going to be a 30 goal scorer in this league. I still believe in Lafreniere. I think if he had more power play time, more opportunity, or if they actually left the kid line together for more than like 10 games in a row at a time, uh, <clears throat> but he would have more points even. And his points have been going up. 
I think Miller is the odd man out. I think Miller is the one you should try and trade because they have other pieces in their group that can replace Miller. And then if you have to go out and get just a veteran defenseman, I think they could. The problem with Miller is he's really good at moving the puck. He's not that physical. He started to turn the puck over a little bit too much, kind of like Brady Shea. And Shea has definitely, you know, become better again with better instruction and the way Carolina plays. But I think the way the Rangers play isn't going to be conducive for Miller because of Fox. If they didn't have Fox, then Miller could take that role and sort of do that. And he wouldn't score as much as Fox, but he would score a little more. But since he can't and you're relying on him to be a little more defensive, I don't think that's his role either. I mean, I think I think you should trade him and, and get and get something for him because he could definitely get something good for him. Dennis, if they keep Miller, I'm looking at it with you know comparables. I think he on a on a shorter term deal, he's gonna get probably four, four and a half, five million. So can they afford him? And if you know, same question of those three, which one do you think is uh the the odd man out? I mean, they, they could afford it. They wouldn't have any they wouldn't have any other cap room to do anything else. So that that would be difficult. I mean I, I tend to agree with Russ that you know, Miller's probably the guy that gets would have to get traded simply because right now what he is, he's probably more valuable than Kako or Lafreniere. Um, you know, Kako, Kako and Lafreniere, their development's been stunted because they sim- they, they've had guys in front of them, you know. Uh, so they haven't had – they don't get power play time. Their five-on-five time is limited. So – we kind of don't know what they are. We don't know if they are legitimate first line guys, second line guys, or if they're just guys. Um, so I, I don't know that you, you can trade them and get enough back in a deal to make it worthwhile. Whereas with Miller, you could say, look, this guy plays 20 minutes a night. He plays against top competition. He puts up some num- numbers. You, know, you would think there are some teams that could, could use a defenseman like that. And he's mm-hmm. still what 22, 23? Oh yeah, no, the age is there. There's you could get him on a longer term deal after this year. Um, yeah, I just think he's a tradable guy. I think Schneider can can go up and play a different role. I don't know if Matthew Robertson's ready or they believe in Zach Jones. I like Zach Jones. Maybe under a different coach he'll get a chance because I do think he could do some things. But if not, then you just bring in another veteran. Um, I think Mickle is there for another year, right? No, he's a UFA. Is he UFA? <laughs> He's a UFA, but I try to bring him back. He did pretty good. Yeah, and I can't imagine teams are going to break the bank for him, and, no. and especially as a third pair D, he was he was fine. And 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 look at the end of the year when uh, when Ryan Lindgren was out, he slotted on he slotted slotted in with Adam Fox, and yeah. played really well. Yeah, you might be able to get him on for like a two-year deal. I mean, yeah. I, I I compare him to sort of like a Yanni Hockenpah with Dallas, just a big, yeah. rangy, physical. You know what? He, he filled the role they thought Patrick Nemeth could and never could. Yes. Right. He's more mobile than Nemeth. So, yeah. Um, all right. Let's finish with this because the the, the way the NHL and the way uh, the, you know, the well, with the NHL and the whole situation that's being approached with the Arizona Coyotes, really is it's like a bug bug up my rear end because I, honestly, it's like I want this team to move because this situation has gone on for twenty years. They clearly cannot get together ownership, 
uh, team management, you know, the, the building, it, it just hasn't worked, Ted. And I thought, I hoped, I prayed that the vote in Tempe would be the last, would be the final nail in the coffin. But they keep trying to keep this, you know, this dead body alive. Uh, in, you know, they're, now they're now they're looking for land. Now they're looking at a plan B. Now they may move back to the America West Arena, which start, started this whole thing in the first place 25 years ago. When is this friggin' thing gonna end? Well, I think the problem is now is it doesn't sound like ownership wants to sell, and there's very limited people in that area who want to deal with them. I know there was talk about maybe moving to reservation land, and they were saying the the tribal leaders don't want to deal with current ownership. Well, they don't want hockey. Like, come on. Well, they don't want to, I mean, they don't, no one trusts this guy because, you know, obviously, you know, they had a Rita deal in Glendale, they got kicked out and everyone sees him as the, the group that won't pay taxes. I mean, you know, like and Mike was saying, if the Suns, you know, they go to the Suns arena, the Suns owner is going to want to buy them. And right. That's you said wanna, that already. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to move to Houston or Salt Lake, it's going to require them to sell the team. So it's, you know, it seems like the NHL is going to try to cajole them to sell the team. But the problem is, as long as they don't want to sell, it really binds them because there's only so many options that want to deal with these people. Um, you, you know, the other things are going to start falling apart. Like, Logan Cooley may never show up there if all this is happening. And Clayton Keller is going to eventually ask for that trade when the uh, – Oh, yes. Dennis. When the spotlight is off of him. The biggest, the biggest sham here is that, you know, this whole thing that – Clayton Keller's dad's Twitter handle was, was hacked. Who the hell would hack that? I mean, and, and what, he would hack it to go out and say, oh, the Arizona situation is untenable and my son wants, wants, wants out. No, if somebody hacked his, his uh, Twitter handle, they would go out and put porn links or something like that. It yeah, like be- a hacker doesn't hack you. And come out with information that only a few people would know. Right. Like that's not the point, the job of a hacker. I mean, it's, it's just like I went to a game out at Mullen Arena this year, and it was, you know, it's a great college arena, but it's, it's, it's embarrassing to have an NHL team play there. Oh. I mean, it was over 100 bucks a ticket. 80% of the fans were visiting fans because no one locally is going to pay 100 bucks to see the Coyotes. Uh, and, you know, it just, it's just – it's got to end. And it, the, the fact they're going to play a lame duck year in it, I mean, it's hard to imagine a scenario. They can't play the two. Like, I know they have a two-year lease, head, but they yeah. can't do it because the problem is if they need a year ahead because of the way booking is in, in arenas and such, mm-hmm. then this decision has to be made in a few months. Yeah. Dennis, Dennis the, thing, the thing here that I – I mean, apparently the league has – tamped down the uh the ire of the pa because the pa is starting to make noise about this because you know players are you know the ho- there's hotel situations there's locker room situations i mean this has got to end doesn't it you, you would think so i mean this has been uh this has been a failure for 20 years it, it simply hasn't worked um and now when you have other cities in that state, the residents voting against a, a building for this team, and there's not, there doesn't seem to be a pathway for a bright, a positive future other than selling the team, selling the team to someone in Salt Lake or Houston. But there's also some speculation that the league is waiting on Salt Lake and Houston to put in an expansion bid because you're looking at starting around 800 million, you know, to buy into the league. And if you move, uh, if you move uh, the Coyotes to either Salt Lake or or Houston, one of those markets, 
you're you're not making that eight hundred million in expansion well, fees. Maybe 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 Snoop Dogg will uh, buy the Coyotes. I mean, he was he's he's in on he's supposedly in on buying the Ottawa Senators. And I mean, if I had any talent, I would basically airbrush in a player from the Coyotes in Star Trek because they're wearing the red the red shirt, and you know what happens to those guys when they're on Star Trek. Oh, you mean you mean Chief Security Officer Wilson, the one who yeah. dies when when the horse anybody, anybody who ever had one died. When and the, it's just you know, if I had any kind of talent, I would do that because. What? Like you just know that this is just going to fizzle and this is their last gas. But again, the owner is just like putting up all this bluster, like, Hey, we're back in mullet and don't worry, we've got plans and Hey, it's going to be in the Valley now. And it's like, you know, where were all these deals lining up before the Tempe deal failed? That's my pick, question. Pick where our new building is going to be. And I, 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 I tweeted a picture of uh, Val Kilmer from Tombstone. I says, I said, your franchise is as dead as uh, as Julius Caesar. I mean, it's just. I mean, I, 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 I don't. I feel bad for the players and 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 the fans to a degree because I feel like all six the of fans them. are just going on this roller coaster ride and eventually. It's just not going to end well. We see it just doesn't end well 99% of the time. So it, I, I do feel bad. And it's unnecessary because, like I said, you know, they had a deal in Glendale and they blew it. And now they're, you know, why does Phoenix need three NHL-sized arenas? They don't. No. You know, it's just – it's they basically – they basically have been trying to, uh, you know, make something that's not going to work. And, you know, looking at their – even looking, there's one plausible scenario list and – Almost all of them involve selling the team, and I don't think they're going to sell the team. And they need to sell it just for the good of the franchise because clearly they're not getting anything done. Hell, it didn't make sense to have three NHL-sized buildings in the in the greater New York area when you had Nassau Coliseum, Nassau Coliseum, and Barclays and, and MSG, and now you have UBS. So it's you know it's just I mean, yeah. I just think the the way they run under the cap, the way that they rarely sign their own guys and end up trading them. You know, at some point, it's just going to run its course. And and I hope for their fans' sake that they don't lose Logan Cooley. But I can't guarantee that's not going to happen. Well, I mean, he, he, he won't be able to go anywhere for three years, Russ. So you would hope that that franchise by that time will I mean, Mike, I mean, we, we say this. <laughs> no, I know. I know. No. We, I, we I, keep getting older, and this deal just keeps getting pushed down a little bit, you know. And we all we all thought when the vote was you know voted down, I thought that was it. And now they're like, oh well, we still have a plan B. No, you're asking, well, you're asking us where you're going to move. You don't have a plan. Obviously, the obviously Dennis, the NHL hired most of the Hillary Clinton campaign because they miscounted what they thought was going to be the vote in Tempe. They thought it was going to pass, and they ended up losing. And, and then they so so they they've been caught with their pants down, and that's why I think this right right now over the last couple of weeks has just been a complete cluster f because they were caught by surprise. Yeah, it, it sounds like the the Coyotes just didn't put it in a whole lot of time or money into kind of getting out the vote. Uh, they thought it was. My understanding is they thought it was a done deal, right. and. Well, they were hoping for a low turnout. That's that's what yes. I kept hearing. And when I was speaking to people about this and on this show more than a few times after doing research, I'm like, it's not going to be a low turnout. And there are a lot of people against this. And it seemed like I was like one of the only people saying that this deal wasn't going to happen. And again, then you find out they got a record number of, you know, older people will say to show up because there were a lot of things they didn't want to pay for. And 
also things like planes flying over these new homes and getting close to their houses. And they didn't want any of that. So they were like, no, we're voting this down. And to, again, I just, and I'm not a political guy. Mike's more political than I am as far as knowing the workings. But anytime you want to get three different bills, well, not bills, but three different things passed on the same ticket, getting people to say yes, 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 very hard to do. Yeah. Well, it's similar to the Nassau Coliseum, too. Uh, you know, they had to vote in the town of Hempstead. And this was yeah. trying to, you're basically getting, by having the town vote, uh, you're getting all the NIMBYs in one spot, whereas the fan base is spread out all, all over the area. So you're yeah, kind like of I live still it's, in North Massapequa. There's no way I was driving to Hempstead for this vote. It's right. pretty it's pretty pretty sad, Ted, when Charles Wong and the Lighthouse Project situation with the Islanders was more organized than what was going on in Tempe. That was a better deal, too. Yeah, I, mean, I have no idea why they didn't think as I privately had said for months, I said this is a really good chance of failing because of the way it was set up. And, you know, they didn't seem to take it seriously. And I don't, you know, with your franchise at stake, I have no idea why you wouldn't have a contingency plan or get out the vote. But it just seems that they weren't organized. But this is typical of this ownership group. They just screw things up. Well, uh, one final thing before we end the show, uh, just officially announced, we'd heard it for the last couple of days. Uh, Craig Conroy, the new general manager of the Calgary Flames, uh, former Leafs and Canucks GM Dave Nonis as uh, VP of Hockey Operations and Assistant General Manager, uh, Brad Pascal and Chris Snow as uh, Assistant GMs. And also uh, there, there was some speculation and maybe it, it will come to fruition over the next few months, but that Jerome McGinley would have some sort of stake in the management uh, of the of the Flames going forward, but it wasn't announced today. So that's official. So right now we have Toronto, and um, we have Pittsburgh still as uh, GM openings and Dubas is being mentioned in Pittsburgh. And there's a lot of names that will track about the, uh, the Leafs job. So the thing I'll say about the job before we go up is just what I said on Sirius. I've had a lot of conversations with Conroy. He was on hockey prospect radio more than a few times, a very bright guy with a lot of energy. If known is kind of in there as the guardrail guy. Okay. I'm fine with that. Uh, if he has more influence than that, I don't think it's fair to Conroy. Cause I think he, he really needs to um, to be given a chance here, and I think I think he will be, and and I like that for um, for Calgary. They need they need some help. Okay, all right, great job, guys. Uh, thanks uh, to Dennis Gorman and Ted Starkey for joining us. Uh, for us, Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hot. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.